And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Welcome to this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. This program is dedicated to going out to the highways and hedges and compelling people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Join your host, Tony Miano, and his team of street fishermen as they find people on the streets with whom to share the gospel. No scripts, no planning, no preparation. Just impromptu gospel conversations with random people out there in a world in desperate need of the Savior. So, until the nets are full, let's go fishing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be, wherever you may find yourself. Welcome to another edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. I am your host, Tony Miano, and on today's edition of the podcast, I am going to take you back to October of 2018 to Rock Island, Illinois, and Augustana College. More about that in just a moment. Hey, I want to remind you to email me with uh, your thoughts, your encouragement, your concerns, your questions, your consternation, whatever it might be. Uh, email me at streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com, streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com. And again, if I uh, share your email uh, on the program, if I answer a question you ask, I'm going to send you a copy of my book, Take Up the Shield, and I would love to put that into your hands. Uh, Alan, a frequent flyer here at the Street Fishing Podcast, uh, emailed me asking me a question about uh, the books that have influenced me the most over the years. Uh, I've done a lot of reading uh, in my 30 plus years as a Christian, but there is a short list of books that have uh, influenced me uh, greatly. And so I'm just going to run down that list real quick, and then I'm going to post it in the description uh, for this episode on the uh, Street Fishing Podcast page. So here's my short list of must-read books. Books I think every Christian should read. Uh, one, of course, is Pilgrim's Progress by uh, John Bunyan. I think that is an important book. In fact, uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, said that, uh, other than the Bible, that was the book he read most uh, in his life. I think he read it once or twice uh, every year. In fact, I believe, second only to the Bible, that has been the most printed most widely distributed book in human history. I didn't include that one on the list that I sent to Alan uh, because I thought of it after I pressed the send button on the email. So that certainly uh, is one worth having. Uh, but here's the list that I gave to, uh, to Alan. Holiness by J.C. Ryle. Uh, the Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. The Kneeling Christian by Anonymous. No one seems to know who wrote that book. A Pastor's Sketches by Ichabod Spencer. Uh, the Christian Hero, a memoir of Robert Annan by James McPherson. And George Whitfield, Volumes 1 and 2 by Arnold Dallimore. That is my short list. Those books uh, had the most have had the most influence on me, I believe. Uh, other than the Bible itself. And so there you have it. And again, I will post that uh, in the description section on the Street Fishing Podcast page. Again, if you have uh, any 
questions, uh, if you'd like to contact me, you can contact me at streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, again, we're going back to October, late October of 2018 to Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois. So let me set the stage for you. Um, I decided to go out to do some evangelism that day, as I do most days of my life. And I thought about where I could go locally that I hadn't been yet. Um, At that point, I had been in uh, Iowa for a couple of years. And I was still, you know, looking for good fishing ponds, still looking for places uh, to go to communicate the gospel. And I realized I hadn't spent much time across the river. I live in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, Davenport is part of what's known as the Quad Cities. There are two cities on the Iowa side of the Mississippi River, two cities on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River that makes up the Quad City metro area. Davenport and Bettendorf here in Iowa, Rock Island and Moline in, um, in Illinois. Mississippi is about a quarter to a half mile long, maybe a half mile long, uh, half mile wide, rather, not long, <laughs> thousands of miles long, uh, and in our area, about uh, about a quarter to a half mile wide, and so that's what separates the two states, and so I decided to go over to Illinois to Augustana College. Didn't really know anything about the school other than it was a small private university. And so I wouldn't be able to go uh, open-air preach on the campus. But I knew that the campus had a public street running through the middle of it. And so I determined to stand on a public sidewalk there on that street. I had heard that others had gone there to do that before. And so that's what I decided to do. I I took my uh, stop-and-talk cross cross with me and uh, grabbed my backpack and whatever tracks were in my backpack. Now, that day, as uh, the Lord uh, would have it, that day I had in my uh, backpack uh, a gospel track that I had written, oh, uh, three or four years prior to that. Now, the track I had in my backpack that day was a track that I wrote, What Comes After Pride. Uh, It is a track that, as the title suggests, focuses on the sin of pride, but I'm very intentional uh, not to mention uh, gay pride or LGBTQ pride uh, in the text itself. Now, it's certainly it can be uh, assumed that that in part is the conversation on the back of the tract because I use a modification of the LGBTQ rainbow on the front with the words, what is pride? And so I took that tract out, not expecting to cause a stir, <laughs> because I have handed out that tract uh, in many places. Uh, England, in London, downtown London, very liberal area, handed those out, had some good conversations, um, but there were no torches and pitchforks as a result. Uh, the University of Iowa, I've handed out hundreds of those tracts, and not one negative encounter. I've handed those tracks out at LGBTQ events and never once had an angry or negative 
reaction. And so that was the track that it was in my bag. And so I headed out the door, headed over uh, to Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois. Stood there quietly with my cross, started handing out the track. Now, Augustana College, uh, again, is a private university. It is a Lutheran school uh, associated with the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, an apostate denomination uh, that uh, promotes and advocates for several things that God hates, uh, including abortion and sexual immorality. It has a student population of about 2,500 students, a relatively small school. Uh, many high schools, including the one I graduated from a long time ago, uh, have more students than this little university. Um, the the students at that university are pretty diverse. Uh, the school, as small as it is, is well known for scholarships for international students. So there are students from around the world who attend that university. Uh, it's also well known for being a school that that many kids attend who live in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, uh, usually the more wealthier suburbs of Chicago. And so they travel the three hours or so from Chicago to Rock Island, either staying there at the campus or um, I doubt any of them make that kind of commute daily, but uh, a lot of the kids on that campus live in that area, not exclusively, but there are certainly a number of the student population that uh, that live in the greater Chicago area. So that's kind of a general background of the school and my motivation for going there that day and why I chose that tract. <laughs> the only reason I chose that tract is because I had a lot of them in my backpack that day. And so uh, that was my first time ever at Augustana College. And uh, again, I took up a position on 7th Street, which runs you know right through uh, the middle of the campus, so to speak. The campus is on either side of the street. Things were quiet until I met a student named Sabrina. She professed to be a Christian. I would run into a lot of professing Christians, air quotes, around Christian uh, that day. Uh, but she was incensed about the gospel tract. She was offended about the inference to the LGBT community. And while the gospel tract, again, makes no mention about the sin of LGBTQism, uh, because of the design of the front of the tract, the inference certainly can be made. And uh, uh, not long after my conversation with Sabrina, I was confronted by a group of students from the school's LGBTQ organization. And other students soon joined in as well. Uh, the crowd was raucous. Um, at times, uh, some people uh, were certainly blasphemous and profane, even lewd. Um, you'll hear me reference it uh, in uh, the the audio today. Uh, one young man was literally acting like he was having intercourse with God on the pavement. As the quote-unquote, air quote, <laughs> Christian population gathered around him, were encouraging him and laughing and clapping and what having so what have you so it was a pretty vile scene now remember i'm there alone i'm on ground that i'm not accustomed to uh, never been there before i uh, was soon surrounded by students which led to a pretty good open air preaching opportunity which you won't hear 
during today's episode. Uh, and so what I'm going to present to you today is about a 35-minute segment of an hour and a half or more of non-stop uh, conversation, preaching, um, and just a loud, raucous, uh, angry, <laughs> in some ways, a mob. Um, and But this this segment of that time that I was out there uh, kind of stood out to me. It's conversations with uh, a couple of young ladies, a few young ladies who pro uh, claim to be part of the LGBTQ community, uh, as well as a staff member of the university who claimed to be a Christian uh, and uh, uh, and wanted to challenge me being there and and what have you. And so there's a lot going on. In this 35-minute uh, segment, uh, the audio is pretty good. Towards the end, uh, you will start to hear church bells, of all things. And, and no, the school wasn't heckling me. I've been heckled by bells and horns and whistles before. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, in this case, certainly, that that was just the time of the morning when the church bells went off. And so uh, you might have a little bit of a challenge hearing the other people talking um, as the bells are ringing, but that is only a short, short period of time. So I, I, I hope I've painted a picture for you. Picture yourself standing alone, surrounded by, oh, uh, a hundred or more, uh, at least, uh, people waving LGBTQ flags, uh, blaspheming God, um, uh, doing lewd acts on the ground in front of you. Uh, some wanting to have reasonable, rational conversations, which is what you're going to hear uh, in the audio. And then in the periphery, a few actual Christians who I would meet during the day who were encouraged that I was there. All right, so that kind of sets the stage. Uh, you've got now ahead of you about uh, a, half, a half hour, 35 minutes of audio, and then we will spend a little time chalk talking what you heard. All right, so with that, let's. Go fishing. We're going to be celebrating hope and identity. We're going to be celebrating sin. We're going to be celebrating sin. God bless you. Have a good day. Thanks. God bless you. Have a good day. Yeah, I'd say it's a good turnout, you know? There's hope for you in Christ. The message she just gave you is not love. No love here, folks. God will not turn a blind eye to sin. None of it. Not mine or yours. God bless you. Have a good day. There's hope in Christ. There's peace in Christ. There's love in Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. I don't believe in God. I'm interested to see what you... Rejection of Christ's love. 
looks like from from our from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I'm a Catholic person who also identifies as a bisexual woman, and I I can recognize how from you're you're coming from a place of love and you're coming from a place of attempting understanding. But I just want to know what you think that that love can look like for our brothers and sisters without making. Well, I haven't made the scene. I stood here quietly for two hours. I stood here quietly for two hours. What's your name? Carmela. I'm Tony. Nice to meet you. Can we can we move just a couple of feet away so we can hear each other? All that I want to attempt to express is that all these people are—they're some of the best people that I've known in my entire life, and they're—they're. They're emotional, I think rightfully so, because something that they hold so near and dear to them is the integral part of their identity is something that you're kind of, you're, you're saying is, um, I guess, the reason for eternal damnation, which is... See, I haven't said that. You know, no, you well, haven't, you haven't. Carmella, I right? That. Yes, See, Carmella, the information I'm handing out says not one word about the LGBT community. I have said not one word. Yeah, this is what I'm handing out. It says not one word about LGBT. Not one word. You can hold on to that, actually. Okay? It talks about pride. Okay. And see, God sees pride as sin, all pride. No matter no matter how it presents itself, whether it's LGBT pride or pride in accomplishment or or pride in, in one's own self. That's what I don't fully understand, I guess, is that I feel like I can be a proud woman in Christ and I can be proud of my church and I can be proud of my community and I can be proud of my brothers and sisters in their accomplishments without that being outrightly sinful. But see, not according to God's word, God says that that pride leads to destruction. Okay. See, and, and what's, what's been manifested here today is a result of that sinful pride. See, God... Whether whether we like it or not, God sees all forms of sexual immorality as sin. No matter what letter we assign to it, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, God is very very specific as to what love is, and and love is is sacrificing of oneself for the other person's greater good. Je- I can agree. I can agree. Je- Jesus, on that. let me finish. No, yes, of Jesus said, "Greater love is no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friends." And the reason why God sees all pride as sinful is because God himself humbled himself to take on human flesh. He humbled himself. He humbled himself to die a death he did not deserve on a cross. And that's and that's why and and God says in his word that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What you saw here was a manifestation of sinful pride. Now, regardless, regardless of the, the underlying emotion or feeling or sin that brought about the pride, what was expressed was pride. And in that, in that expression of pride was expressed a hatred for God, a hatred for the gospel, and to a far lesser importance, a hatred for their neighbor. So okay. I'm understanding correctly then. The so the issue is not in homosexuality. Well, no. The look, that look. Is, I'm I'm not going to dodge that. that. Okay, because that, that isn't it. That yeah. look. That is an issue. But but what this shows is is that even underneath the the sins of sexual immorality, even underneath the sins of lying or stealing or coveting or adultery, uh, the the sin of hatred in one's heart, underneath that 
is pride. And pride ultimately is a love of self. Okay. And, and a love of self is sin. Because we're to love God before ourselves. We, Jesus said we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him daily. See, true love is self-denial. True love, true love is not self-love. True love is self-denial. So then I guess uh, my question would be, where, where is this line being drawn between self-acceptance and the ability to live with oneself and be happy and being prideful to an extent that it's become sinful? Well, well, because I, I, think, sure. I think there's that's the fundamental okay. disconnect that's happening here, is that these people are viewing this as their expression of self and mm-hmm. as their acceptance of the person that they are and their attempt to navigate through a world that generally tells them they shouldn't be navigating through. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would I would disagree, Carmela, to a certain extent okay. because because more now than ever in history, those who practice um, uh, sexual sins, regardless of what they are, are applauded more now in the world than ever before. Okay, okay. all right. So look, the the the, uh, the police did not run up here and gather all these people and take them to prison because of their expression of their identity, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, all right. So. The point is, to your question, you asked where the line is. Yes. The line is drawn by God. God is drawn. Okay. No, listen. No, no, God, I, I, God has drawn the line. See, if, if it's up to the individual, if it's up to us as individuals to draw the line, then that's completely arbitrary. It's, it, it may be a standard you decide to live by, but it's not a standard that I have to live by. I, 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 my name's Tony, by the way. I'm Cyber. Cyber? It's good to meet you. Good to meet you, and you are? Kara, good to meet. Good to meet you. And and, and I, I I I don't want to talk over you. I want to be very polite in my in my conversation with you. And so, and I want to hear your story. Okay, okay. So, it's not up to the. For for instance, look if if um, I I would assert that all four of us would agree, without knowing you ladies beyond the last five minutes that all of us agree that it's wrong to take another human life with premeditation and malice aforethought. It's wrong to murder another person, right? I, I, think, I, I we, think that's generally oh, agreeable. Yeah, okay. Now, now we've all asserted a truth claim, and we've all asserted morality by making that truth claim, okay? If it's up to the individual to determine what morality is then no other individual can tell an individual they're wrong based on their morality. For instance, we've all established that we all agree that murder is wrong. If you three ladies came to me and said, we believe murder is wrong, and I say, well, my morality is that murder is right. If, if, if morality is truly up to the individual, you can make no assertion that I'm wrong. So, with, just with to a, clarify really quick, um, so is, is this comparison being between murder and pridefulness or murder no, no, and that, homosexuality no no no, no. It's, it's, I think, I think no that's, that's not that's not well no, no that's not being that that's not that's not a comparison at all i was just using okay. that particular sin as, as an example, I would, in, I would, as an example. okay so so then some would say well okay it's not up to the individual it's up to society society determines that uh what our morality is going to be well we live in a country where 150 years ago, well, longer than that, two, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, we live in a country that asserted that it was right and legal to take land away from Native Americans, to subjugate them to life on reservations. 
And, and I talked to a, a beautiful Cherokee young lady on the campus of uh, the University of Iowa on Monday, okay. and she agrees her culture has never recovered from that. But it, agree on that. All right, yeah. right, okay. Society, society said it was right, it was legal to do that. Uh, more recently, we live, uh, our, our, country, our country said that it was right to consider people property because of the color of their skin and to even consider them less than human to a certain extent. It was legal. And so, actually, they did not. If you if you truly look at genuine history, it was Christians not only in Western Europe but in the United States that brought about the abolition of slavery. I actually just took. Uh, I'm actually in a course right now. I, I'm going to it later called Old Western History, and unfortunately, actually, there were a lot of Christians who did. Well, there were there, there were people who professed to be Christians who agreed with slavery. Yes, that's true. They justified but, slavery. Right. Right. That, that right. That doesn't make God wrong. That makes those people wrong. Okay? That makes those people wrong. And and, and but there's no denying there, no matter what history book you're reading, there's no denying that it was Christians who led the abolition movement both in in Western Europe and in the United States. So and look, I, 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 I'm, I want to share something. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And I would actually appreciate cuz I I've been Catholic all my life. And so I'd appreciate it. Whatever your filming doesn't go. Well, I, I, I can't make that promise. I can't because of the way I've been treated out here today. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been assaulted before by people who say they're loving and non judgmental. And so I, I can make you no guarantees about that. I will make no promises it's, about the video. I promise this isn't going to be an attack on you because I know there's photo editing. If you're going to put this on YouTube, I would very much appreciate it if you just edit this out. And I just wanted to share that with you. Well, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing that with me. And because I love you as my neighbor, I'm going to disagree with you. And, it, and it's not based on my standard of morality. It's not based on yours. It's not based on societies. It's based on the standard of morality that God has given each of us when he's given us a conscience and written his law in our heart. Um, I don't know what you heard that night. I'm not going to denigrate your experience. But God, the God who created us, Cyber, would never speak to you contrary to his word. And his word, because God says so in His Word. That's why. No, I mean it's there in Leviticus, yes. And and uh, again, so that we don't get into this drawn out and not to be offensive, typical conversation about about uh, eating shellfish and mixing <laughs> and mixing fabrics and things like that. God gave his law to his people, and that law took different forms. There was God's moral law, which is universal and applicable to every human being throughout created history. And then there were specific laws for the Jewish people. There were dietary laws to protect their health. There were, uh, there were civil laws. There were um, uh, sundry laws. There were other kind of laws that were for that people at that time. Um, the dietary laws, Jesus, Jesus uh, rescinded all of them. Jesus said, "There is nothing. There is nothing." No, I'm a Christian. There, there, there is nothing. Jesus said, "There is nothing that is unclean." Old covenant is gone. We're not, not even going to talk about that right now. Okay. All right. So, however, I would like to ask you this question. A lot of can, can I finish hers first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because the question was, where is that in the Bible? It's in Romans chapter 1. I'm okay. talking about the New Testament now. And it's in 1 Corinthians 6 as well. 
Um, it's in Second uh, Timothy uh, one or two. And the important thing to realize is that you know some might say, well, Jesus didn't say that; the Apostle Paul did. Yeah. Well, Jesus, you're God's word. That's no, Paul's word. no, actually, no. God says about His word that all of His word is God breathed. Jesus is the author of the entire Bible, from Genesis one one through the end of Revelation. And don't forget, and don't and don't forget, Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Triune God, is eternal. He was with the Father in creation. All things were created by Him and through Him and for Him, according to John one and Colossians chapter one. He was there. He was there when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. He was. He was. He was. He was there at the murder of Cain and Abel, and he was there at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he's eternal, he took on human flesh two thousand years ago, when he came to Earth as a person of Jesus Christ. But all of God's word is His word, and He was with the Father in creation. He's eternal, so you you cannot take a part of God's word, which was penned by another person. And say, well, that well, Jesus didn't say that. Well, of course he did, because God inspired forty different people over fifteen hundred years and three continents to pen His word. So, who's to say that voice from God is different from the voice of God that spoke to Cyber that night? Who's to say well, be, those people are well, because, more because God does, to write Well, because God, because God says so. Because God says that His words inspired. God does not say that that the voices. And I'm not I'm not mocking you, uh, whether audible or inaudible. God does not say that the voices in our head are true. God does not say the voices in our head are sovereign. God does not say the voices in our head are authoritative. God says His word is. His so, word is. So you're, you're referencing God said that God says, and I, I'm my understanding is you're referencing um, the the gospel things said in the Bible when you say God says these things, correct? Right. Laid right. Out in the Bible. Yes. So then my question for you, maybe not so much of a question, more of just kind of amusing. Um, I feel like reading a biblical literature has a lot to do with interpretation um, sure. because there are a lot of um, literary scholar type folks, right, who will read different parts of the Bible in a very different way. And I know we're talking specifically about the gospel, but you mentioned. Um, the book of Genesis, the creation story. Um, I know a lot of religious scholars interpret the, the beginning of the book of Genesis in a different way. There are two separate creation stories laid out in the beginning of the book of Genesis. Actually, there's not. There's the creation story in Genesis 1. Okay. And there's a revisiting of that same story with more specific detail in Genesis 2. Yes. They're, they're not, yes. They're not no, two, exactly. They're not two different creation stories. Mm-hmm. They're the same story. Um, with emphasis on a particular aspect of creation in chapter 2 with an overall look at creation in chapter 1. Yes, no, so they're not know, different. We're, no, we're in agreement with that. Um, my, my, I guess my point in that Genesis example being that um, Genesis 2 is the more specific one, if I'm remembering that correctly, with different a focus on different specifics of the creation story, right? But if... I feel like a lot of... Well, you, you seem very knowledgeable on bi- the Bible and biblical literature and different texts and things. Um, but I feel like reading different parts of the Bible can can be read wildly differently depending on who you are and what your life experiences that, are. That's true. So, People and, do. And I know sure. I'm a 19-year-old queer on the campus of a liberal arts college, right? So I, we're going to have wildly different life experiences. So we're going to be interpreting the Bible extremely differently. So but I, I just, which, which I think we can agree with. But um, so Carmela, so, if I if I yes, may, no, if I may, no, go for it. what you're describing, um, the technical term for what you're describing is eisegesis. And, Jesus. And, and what that means, me not, not Jesus as in J-E-S-U-S, but E-I-S-E, yeah, okay. So 
eisegesis is taking our life experience, is taking our presuppositions and imposing them upon the text of scripture to come to an interpretation so we are want. are you claiming but, that you're not doing that, though? Right, are you claiming that right. the experiences of your life have no role in the way that you read it and interpret well, it? Well, look, I, I would have to say I'm a perfect human being to say that, and I'm not. And, yeah, okay. Yes, but okay. but the, 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 good. The, the <laughs> biblical principle, the biblical principle of interpretation, though, is exegesis. It's okay. taking God's word for what it says, and then it's interpreting, it's drawing the true meaning from the text, not imposing a meaning upon the text. Okay, so that's so that's the difference. The argument that that's impossible to do. Well, actually, as, it's not. As, as humans, our human nature, I feel like, makes it nearly impossible to view from an outside perspective and not have the the content of your yeah, character and the aspects of your life that you've lived yeah. through not influence sure. your I, reading of the Bible. You know, so I, I feel. Yeah, like, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that's an. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's not certainly possible. Um, I, I think, though, to say that it's impossible would require both of us to have perfect knowledge, and neither one of us do. Yes, like, no, neither no, one I, of us I do. Agree. I agree okay, on that, yes. all right. So, more more important than all of this, though, is that I love you two as my neighbors. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And 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 the, and the and the fact. And, and, the, and the fact that I believe what God's word says and it contradicts what you believe about yourself is not in and of itself hatred. I have no, I, I have, I have no desire. In fact, the reason I'm here is because the absolute last thing I want for any human being, regardless of how they see themselves, regardless of the sin they practice in their life, is for them to face the wrath and judgment of God. I don't want to see anybody perish in their sin. Okay? It's, it's interesting that you... Yeah, no, you, you go ahead. You mentioned wrath. I want to touch on that. But you go ahead. But, and again, I don't want to attack here. I just want to point things out. I appreciate the conversation. Isn't you coming here thinking that you can change everyone in active pride? If I came here thinking I could change everyone, it would most definitely be an act of pride. Why did you come here then? Because, Cyber, I know that I can't change a single person. But I know the one who can, and that is Jesus Christ the Lord. Yes, if I came here thinking that that I could change everybody's mind, that I could change any, well, not everybody. If I came here thinking that I could change one person's mind, or I could change one person's heart, then my pride would be every, sin, every bit as sinful as the other pride we've seen here today. But I know that I... A mere sinful man, a human being, cannot change your mind and cannot change your heart. I know that the only one who can is Jesus Christ the Lord. And so if I love you as my neighbor, I'm going to do whatever I can, even up to sacrificing my own life, to share the good news of the gospel with you with the hope that Jesus will change your mind. We're going to have to disagree there because I know that God has cemented who I am. He created me as I am. Natalie, I'm from the Observer School newspaper. Hi, Natalie. What do you guys Well, I really don't, I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful, but I really want to continue this conversation. And please stay, and if there, you have time, I'll... I'll you know, go right ahead. I am. Go right ahead. Yeah. I actually 
have to get going okay. in class. But right. I would like to one final thing. You mentioned wanting to protect your brothers and sisters in Christ from the wrath of wrath of God, right? Let me explain what I said. I'm not protecting my brothers and sisters in Christ from the wrath of God because because those who are in Christ are not under the wrath of God. Okay. All right. God is a wrathful God. God has said in his word that he will punish the wicked. He, he says that the soul that sins shall die. And what makes God's love so extraordinary is that he would send and sacrifice his own son to die for people like me who deserve nothing but his wrath because I've broken his law and I've sinned against him. But that's the point, isn't it? God isn't a wrathful God anymore. We deserve God, that wrath because no, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, uh, and, and, G- and, again, and, again, well, and again, Jesus was with the Father in creation. And, and, God has given, and God has given to Jesus the power to judge. And he will. He came as a meek and mild baby. He was born under the most humblest of circumstances and existence. But when he was, and he came that way to die on behalf of sinners like us. But when he returns, he's not going to come as a baby. He's going to come as a wrath-filled lion of the tribe of Judah to judge both the living and the dead. Because that's what his word tells us. That's what his word promises. It says he's going to come in light. Well, you, you need to... Light need to, and glory and love. I, I just, it does right, not say right that. It I does leave. not say that. Okay, yeah. Right, right before I leave, I just want to get this last word in. I choose to live my life believing that God is the God of love and that um, in all of our human manifestations of sin, including pride and including homosexuality for going that direction and including lying and all, all of the sins, I, I choose to believe in a God that is forgiving and is loving. Yes. And mm-hmm. gives us the opportunity to have a dialogue this with our mm-hmm. fundamental yeah. disagreements um, yeah. and have it still be a positive form of thing. So I, I hope you're le- we're leaving this conversation with us both having maybe a couple tidbits of new thoughts that we maybe hadn't considered before. I know, I know you you seem very steadfast in your beliefs, and I know that, that well, right. Yeah, and, and what what frightens me for you, Carmela, is that you've created a god in your imagination to suit yourself, a god who's going to turn okay. a blind eye to sin, but he's not. He's holy. He's righteous. He's yeah. just, okay. and 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 our our forgiveness our our forgiveness is not in the fact that we accept ourselves and we accept our sin. Our forgiveness. I think it's our for- the fact that God accepts me. But and God, that see I that. But God's word doesn't say that. God's okay. word doesn't say that He see, we, accepts us. We, we, I feel us. Like we were in similar pages before. before but, well, this well, no, He doesn't. Did you, did you want to God, lo- God loves His son. I just had a question, if I may. Um, as somebody, as a Christian who has gone through seminary and studied the scriptures and who believes the scriptures completely, why, if you believe that homosexuality is a sin, why is that sin worse than all the other? I've never said that. That's a straw. Ma- I'm sorry. My name's Tony. Tony, good to meet you. And you are? Oops, sorry, sorry, Chief. Uh, I'm sorry, what was your first name? Lucas. Lucas, okay. Yes. Lucas, I never once asserted that one sin was worse than another. So so to assign that thought to me is a straw man. I'm not, actually. I have not, in, until this crowd arrived, until this crowd arrived and began to mock God and, and blaspheme God and do other things. Am I having but, a different view? No, no, no. Okay, Lucas, if we're going to have a conversation, it's got to be honest. Okay. All right. 
and there was there was a man here pretending to uh, pretending to have an orgasm here with God on the ground. Okay, so I don't know what seminary you went to. All right, but that's blasphemous. Okay, I never brought up the sub. I never Lucas. I was just going to respond to that if I may. The book Song of Solomon in the Bible implies that God's people are His lovers. Yeah, yeah, but 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 to but to equate a perverted man acting like he's having an orgasm on the ground to the Song of Solomon, in and of itself, is blasphemous, Lucas. Well, Lucas, maybe you weren't here, but I was watching it, Lucas. So, Lucas, here's the point. Here's the point, Lucas. Here's the point. God does say that all forms of sexual immorality are sin, regardless of how we define it, regardless of what, regardless of what letter we assign to it. God's word says that all sexual immorality is sin. God says that lying is a sin, that stealing is a sin, that blasphemy is a sin, that coveting is a sin, that harboring bitterness, resentment, or hatred in our heart for a human being for any reason is a sin. Yeah, Jesus in fact said that whoever uh, whoever gets divorced, right, is committing adultery. Right? We don't ever well, remember, now, now, remember, 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 Lucas, remember, Lucas, that Jesus wrote the entire Bible, that Jesus is the author of the entire Bible, that he was with the Father in creation, that he is the author and perfecter of the Christian faith, that he is the word who became flesh. Okay, God hates divorce. Okay, Jesus never, Jesus never said that, uh, that he was okay with divorce. In fact, the Pharisees asked him, you know, why is it then that Moses allowed for a certificate of divorce? And he said, because your, because your hearts were hard. Right, right. And there is forgiveness for the sin of divorce. There is forgiveness for the sin of adultery. There is forgiveness for lying and covenant. There is forgiveness for sexual immorality. But it is only through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So is it human's job? Uh, so I've read in the Bible that it's the Holy Spirit who draws people to repentance. Is it is it Christian's job to accuse other people? I haven't accused anybody of anything. So please, I, I'm going to call you on every straw man you offer. I'm going to call you, Lucas, on every straw man you offer. Okay, I haven't accused anybody of anything. God is a God of means. Ro- no, I said pride was sin. And you said everyone here was prideful. I, I said I said pride is sin. That's what I said. But you and said I called people here, to, this is a display of pride. Well, it was a display of pride. Certainly. Yeah. So you're saying these people are prideful, so you're accusing them of pride, which is a sin. Pride is a sin, yes. Yes, and you yeah. accuse these people. Yes, I, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. But yeah. you just said you if you, if you If you stole my backpack and I accuse you of stealing my backpack, yes, I'd be accusing you of stealing my backpack. Okay, but I'd be, you, you I'd be accusing you, you of being a thief. You weren't accusing anybody of sin. You weren't accusing anybody of anyone. I just wanted to... So while you call them out things, we're going to call you out. Okay, that's fine. Okay, great. Okay. So, uh, so Lucas, God is the author uh, of his word. He, he, he calls... He calls all to repentance and faith, and he is a God, and he is a God of means. Romans 14, 10 to 17 says that how will they hear without a preacher? That that and and it says in Romans 1, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. God uses the proclamation of the gospel, whether verbally or in written form, to or in creation, to, which is what that's actually talking about in Romans. No, well, talking about no, I, well, that that begins in verse 18. 
that begins in verse 18, but he's very specific in, in, in verses 16 and 17 that it is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. And yes, yes, people know that people know that God, every human being knows that God exists because creation testifies to it. Okay, but it is through the proclamation of the gospel that someone comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is the spirit at work on that person as they're hearing the proclamation of the gospel that they will repent and believe. And gospel means good news. That's right. Good news is a proclamation that God is love, that God will and is reconciling all creation to himself. Not everybody is going to heaven, Lucas. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about reconciliation. Okay, well, but reconciliation... But reconciliation with God only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Only through faith in Jesus Christ. So, and God is love, but he's not, lo- he's not a God of love and contradiction to his holiness and his righteousness and his judgment and his wrath. He is equally all those things perfectly at the same time. Yes, so the, the fruit of talk, the fruit of this sort of you know, singling out people and accusing them is... I haven't singled anybody out, people Lucas. People who are LGBT thinking that the church has nothing to offer. L- Lucas, do you know the how the idea is that, uh, that Lucas? I didn't single anybody out. Of me as a person, and so the fruit of that. If you want younger people, people who are LGBT, to join the church, this is not the way to go about it. Well, Lucas, the way to go about it is to speak the truth in love. And the truth the, in love is that God is love. Yeah, but but God but God Jesus is, is radical. Right, and He will not turn a blind eye to sin, Lucas. He's not going to turn a blind eye to. And I am loving you, Lucas, because I'm telling you the truth. That, that the God you apparently worship is a God you've created in your own imagination to suit yourself. One who's going to approve your sin and love your sin. And that is not the God of the Bible. That is not the Jesus. Yes, but Lucas has to repent of his sin and put his trust and his faith in Christ alone to receive that forgiveness. God, God is not, pardon me, Lucas. God is not going to arbitrarily forgive anyone's sin, just like a judge in a courtroom isn't going to arbitrarily let convicted criminals go. You know, if if, if I'm if I'm a, if I'm a if, I, if, if I'm arrested for breaking the law and I say to the judge, I believe you're a loving, giving, and benevolent judge, and I think you ought to let me go. No judge, no good judge, is going to let me go on the basis of that. I'm, I'm making that comparison because God is the ultimate judge. He is. Why are you comparing them to men? If we're below him, why? Why am I? Why are you comparing Jesus to men if he's above us? Because because he is the standard. Let me answer your question. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, "You are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect." True. God's standard. God's our judgment the same as Jesus's. When there's so many other countries that have many different ways of judging stuff. Who says that's not the way it is? God does. God has in His Word. See, we, we are not the arbitrator. We, well, sure. What, that he is the judge? No, there is exactly who judges. Can you cite in the Bible? Yeah, I or can. Or is this another way to manipulate the Bible? So well, no it's, not a, no, it's not a way It's not a way to manipulate the Bible. God has said in his word that, that he will judge both the living and the dead. He has said he that he has given... Yes, right, all right, yeah. I, look, I can no more send you to heaven than I can send you to hell. And I have no desire whatsoever for any human being to perish in their sin. No, but you could definitely tell people that they're going to hell, and you have done that. Yeah, sure, because I love them. Look, I, look, I haven't. So backwards. No, it's not. It's not. Look, <laughs> look. If I look, it's not. Look, and you just blasphemed him. Whatever. Oh, I know. Whatever. Okay. So, 
so look it, it's it's loving to warn people when they're in danger friends warn their friends when their friends are in danger how are they putting themselves in danger because they're sinning against the god they know and and god is good and he's going to punish all sin the sin we love to commit and the sin we hypocritically commit and point out in others and judge them god is going to judge all sin because he's good because he's holy and righteous and just and the only way of escape from his just and his holy wrath is through the loving gift of his son jesus christ through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ and him alone god will not turn a blind eye to his sin, to any sin god is not going to turn a blind eye to the definition of love that lucas has and so many others have created for themselves god's not going to turn a blind eye to the blaspheming of god by creating a god in our imagination who's going to accept our sin and who's going to say that god is all love while ignoring every other aspect of his character we're throwing Leviticus aside. I'm not throwing it aside because it's God's word. Why would I throw it aside? I explained to you. Well, well, no, we can't get into the typical argument if we understand how the law was presented in Leviticus. There are different different than the shellfish and the. As I as I explained, there were aspects of the law that God gave to Israel that was specific for the people of Israel. God also gave his moral law, the law that he has written on each of our hearts and giving us a conscience that is universal and applicable to every human being in every age. But who's to say the shellfish isn't the moral one and it's the man that likes Jesus, man. Jesus said so. Jesus man. said... Jesus addressed homosexuality no, no, Well, that wasn't her question. We were talking about the shellfish. Yeah, yeah. He just never mentioned. Yes, he did. Jesus, Jesus did. He most certainly did because he said he said marriage is between a man and a woman. Yes, he did. That, that, that Jesus. Okay. For this reason, a man will be united to his. No, no, no. Right. No, no. It's not. Jesus affirmed marriage between one man and one woman, and Jesus also spoke in Romans one and 1 Corinthians 6, and everywhere else homosexuality is mentioned in the Bible. Right, and Jesus is the author of his word. It was Jesus who inspired 40 different men over over 1,500 years and three continents to pen his word. Jesus is the author. I'm sorry? 1,500 years. Over 1,500 years. That's the span of time it took to write the word of God, yes. Uh, that was my conversation with several people <laughs> on the campus of Augustana College in October of 2018. What did you think? Uh, did you hear the cacophony of noise going on around us? Uh, certainly at the beginning, the cheering, the chanting, uh, God is love, God is love, as they're waving LGBTQ flags, um, performing preferred acts on the concrete in front of me. Um, all of this at a place of higher education, <laughs> Augustana College, associated with the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, an apostate, an apostate uh, denomination, uh, an apostate brand of Lutheranism, uh, where evil is called good and good is called evil. 
So I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear what you thought about uh, how I interacted with the people that I talked to. And again, that is only uh, a portion. What you heard is only a portion of 90 minutes of nonstop engagement, both uh, via open-air preaching and other conversations that I had uh, during the time I was out there. Now, there is a video uh, that I have on my YouTube channel of that entire um, that entire uh, encounter out there, that entire morning of evangelism, uh, all 90 minutes or so. And uh, I'm going to link that. Uh, there'll be a link for that video uh, in the description section on the Street Fishing Podcast for uh, for this episode. So again, I'd love to get your thoughts. Email me at streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com, streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com. All right, the uh, first conversation that you hear in the audio is with a young lady claiming to be Roman Catholic and bisexual. Uh, Certainly those two are compatible uh, because Roman Catholicism uh, is an apostate religion as well. Uh, it is not a Christian religion. It is a religion built on the traditions of men and idolatry. It is a religion that promotes a false gospel and, quite frankly, a false Jesus. A Jesus who is subservient to his mother Mary. A Jesus who is required to suffer day in and day out through a superstitious practice known as the Mass. Uh, Every Roman Catholic church you'll go into, you will not see an empty cross. You will see a cross with uh, a version of a bloody, dying, or dead Jesus on it. Uh, That's because they deny what Jesus himself said. One of the last things Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. Everything that God the Father required of God the Son to perfectly accomplish his will and to make propitiation for the sins of those he had predetermined to save uh, was accomplished on the cross. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, his suffering was complete. His payment for the sin of those God would decide to save Uh, was complete. He didn't go to hell to suffer, and he certainly doesn't suffer day in and day out when a sinful man, calling himself a priest, utters an incantation and presumes to call down God the Son, seated at the right hand of power, call him down to assume a stale piece of bread and a sour glass of wine, uh, so that those who participate in the Mass can receive, in part, forgiveness for their sin. The Mass is blasphemous, and uh, that is the centerpiece of the Roman Catholic religion, and the central person of the Roman Catholic religion is not Jesus Christ. It is Mary. It is Mary. So, as the conversation begins with this young, female, bisexual Roman Catholic, uh, she begins to by defending by defending the behavior going on around us at the time uh, people who are flaunting their sexual immorality people who are endorsing sexual immorality people who are chanting god is love with sexual immorality in their mind she says to me 
wow, you know, these are some of the best people I've ever known in my life. Now, why would she say that? Well, it's not because she was comparing them to the law of God. It's not because she was comparing them to the word of God. It's not because she was comparing them to the character of God, to the character of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was comparing them to the God she sees in the mirror, to the person she ultimately worships, and that's herself. Uh, she could see people engaged in that kind of activity, uh, blasphemy, um, the approval of sexual immorality, even the acts of sexual immorality. She could see those people as the best people she's ever known because her standard of right and wrong, her standard of morality is so very low. Her standard isn't God's standard. Her standard is the standard she determined for herself. And three words uh, she would utter uh, following that statement uh, was all the indication I needed. It was all the, it's the only indication really you need uh, to know that what I'm telling you is true. She says, you know, I feel like, I feel like I could be a proud woman in Christ. I feel like I could be proud of my church. The standard by which she was judging good and evil, right and wrong, her standard of morality was based entirely on her feelings. Now look, we have feelings. <laughs> feelings uh, are real. Feelings are legitimate. Feelings are part of being human beings. I'm not at all suggesting that feelings aren't real, but feelings, our feelings, uh, someone else's feelings, are not the arbiters of truth. Uh, our, our feelings uh, are not the basis for truth. In fact, our feelings are often what leads us to misunderstand uh, and misapply that which is true. Our feelings is what often uh, leads to us choosing error over truth. Our feelings are unreliable. Uh, our feelings are not ultimately to be trusted. God and his word is what should be trusted. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that first girl brought up and then uh, Lucas, who you, who you heard later on, and we're going to talk a little more about Lucas in a few minutes, uh, both brought up this notion, which is really a common argument, particularly among those who want to justify sin particularly those who want to try to justify the sin of LGBTQ-ism. And it really is an ism. It is uh, a, a religion, uh, my friends. It really is. I mean, so many times I've, I've tried to hand someone a gospel tract who identifies themselves as part of the, of the LGBTQ community, and the response is, no thank you, I'm gay. No thank you, I'm a lesbian. No, thank you, I'm bisexual. No, thank you, I'm LGBTQ. So they know that I'm handing them a gospel message. They know that I'm, I'm handing them a gospel tract. They know that I'm handing them something that is going to tell them about Jesus. And their response isn't to say, oh, oh no, thank you, I'm a carpenter. No, no, thank you, I'm a, uh, I'm a lawyer. No, thank you, I'm a doctor. No, thank you, I'm a teacher. Um, no, thank you, I'm a Buddhist. No, thank you, I'm a Mormon. No, thank you, I'm a Roman Catholic. But, no, thank you, 
I'm gay. They identify their sexual immorality the same way a person would identify their religion. They respond the same way a Muslim might say, no, 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 thank you, I'm a Muslim. No, no, thank you, I'm Roman Catholic. No, no, thank you, I, I don't want that. I'm I'm a Buddhist, I'm Hindu. Instead of a quote-unquote organized religion and LGBTQism, uh, every day is becoming more and more of an organized religion, make no mistake, they will say, no, thank you, I'm gay. And so I, I, I keyed on that several years ago. I started hearing that more and more as I was out on the streets. And that's when it, that's when it dawned on me is that these people are actually asserting their religious beliefs, not merely asserting their immorality, not merely asserting their, their sexual deviance um, and, and their approval of that, but they're actually asserting their religion. They're certainly asserting their worldview, um, and uh, there really are only two worldviews, of course, with God and without God, the Christian faith and everything else. Those are the only two worldviews in existence. So, um, but back to the, this argument that uh, Jesus never said, you know, Jesus never said this, Jesus never said that. Well, to both the young lady at the beginning of the audio and with Lucas later on, uh, I asserted that Jesus most certainly spoke against homosexuality. And here is where he does. We find it in Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, and I'll read that for you. I'm reading out of the ESV. God's Word tells us this. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Whatever, what therefore, rather, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So in answering the question about divorce, Jesus, who was with the Father in creation, refers back to creation when the Godhead created in his own image, male and female, he created them. And he created them for the purpose of being married one unto another, to fill the earth and subdue it. And so when someone says, Oh, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Jesus never talked against LGBTQism. He most certainly did. He affirmed the reality of his own creative work that he created people male and female. And he created them with the purpose of male and female being joined together to become one flesh in marriage for the purpose of filling and subduing the world. So Jesus did speak against 
all forms of sexual immorality because he restated the creation standard for sexual immorality and we or for sexual morality rather not immorality but morality he restated the standard of sexual morality uh, from creation and we find that in mark chapter 10. the other thing uh, you heard me bring up regarding this issue is that jesus is the author and perfecter of the christian faith jesus again was with the father in creation all things were created by him through him and for him nothing has ever been made that uh, was not made by jesus christ and he is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us not only are the letters in red in the four gospel accounts jesus's words but every word penned from genesis 1 1 to the end of Revelation 22 are the words of Jesus Christ. He is the author of the entire book. So therefore, when Paul writes against sexual immorality in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, those are the words of Christ. As I mentioned, uh, I think multiple times uh, during that segment, uh, of audio that God is the author of his word. He inspired 40 different authors over three continents in 1500 years to pen his word. The, uh, the human authors of the word were merely the pens in the instruments of the hand of the ultimate writer. Those authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the words of the author the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, I think that was an important uh, distinction and correction to make in that conversation. And maybe you might find that helpful for you in uh, in your conversations as well. Uh, one young lady, as she was uh, parting, um, she said, you know, I choose to believe that God is a God of love. And again, getting back to this idea that many people create gods in their imagination to suit themselves. Virtually everyone I talk to, at least during the segment that you heard uh, in the episode today, each and every one of them, including Lucas, who we're going to meet here in a minute, uh, including Lucas, uh, who professes to be a seminary guy and a student of the Word and a lover of the Word of God, even Lucas created a God in his imagination uh, to suit to suit himself. So let's talk a little bit about Lucas, all right? So now you're watching an audio, so you don't actually get to see Lucas. Uh, um, Lucas, his full name is Lucas Street. He is the director of the Reading Writing Center there at Augustana College. Uh, he's got uh, a BA from Knox College and a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Wyoming. That's what his bio page says on the uh, Augustana College website also says that he's married and has uh, four sons. He and his wife and four sons uh, live uh, there in Rock Island, uh, Illinois. And that's, uh, again, that's all public. Um, I'm not outing him <laughs> in in some way. That's all public information that I drew from the uh, public website for Augustana College. Um Lucas approached towards the end of the segment you heard uh, just a little while ago. 
uh, Lucas was wearing an LGBT colored Hawaiian style lei, and he was holding and waving a small LGBTQ flag. Uh, insisted that he was a Christian, uh, insisted that he had gone through seminary and studied the scripture and believes the scriptures completely. That was Lucas. But yet Lucas made the same arguments the lost and deceived younger students made just minutes before and throughout uh, the morning there. Uh, it was pretty clear to me that Lucas doesn't understand the scriptures. Uh, in all likelihood, like the young people I was talking to, Lucas, while a professing Christian, uh, likely is not, at least not two years ago, uh, not born again. Uh, like the students he is counseling and uh, mentoring there on the campus, uh, he has created a God in his imagination to suit himself. And on Lucas asked, you know, is it Christian's job? Is it is it human's job, basically, to... Uh, to tell people uh, about Jesus, to uh, warn people about sin, to share the gospel with them. Uh, isn't that the working of the Holy Spirit? And that's when I explained to Lucas that God, of course, is a God of means. Uh, and God uses the proclamation of the gospel uh, as a means of bringing people to genuine repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is of the Lord. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that causes regeneration in a human heart. And the first fruits of that regeneration is the person is going to repent and believe the gospel. They will repent and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord uh, and their Savior. And so, yes, yes and again, it is the job, it is the responsibility of every Christian, man and woman, young and old, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost people. That will be different in uh, its mode of operation, depending on who you are, the personality God's given you, the context of uh, life where God has placed you, and yes, your gender, <laughs> uh, because God has prescribed for both the pulpit and open-air preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has prescribed that for the men of the church, but he has called all Christians, men and women, regardless of gender, to be uh, evangelistic Christians to live evangelistically, to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost people, whether verbally or in written form through the distribution of gospel tracts or the distribution of the greatest gospel tract ever written, the Bible. <laughs> there is no better gospel tract than the Bible. Uh, so yes, it is the Christian's responsibility uh, to do that, to communicate the gospel to the lost. Now, Lucas know, knows that the word gospel means good news. But in Lucas's mind, the good news of the gospel is God is love and he is reconciling everyone to himself. Well, that's simply not true. Everyone is not going to heaven. Everyone will not be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him 
will not perish, but have everlasting life. Only those whom God has predetermined to save from eternity past, only God's elect, will ultimately come to genuine repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that they will believe, leading to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, God is reconciling an untold number of people to himself, but the way is narrow that leads to life, and very few will find it. And how is God reconciling his elect unto himself? He has given his people, he has given Christians, the ministry of reconciliation. And we find that language in Second Corinthians chapter 5. So are you engaged today in that ministry of reconciliation? Are you actively engaged in proclaiming the gospel to the lost around you, whether people you know or strangers? Uh, it doesn't mean you have to stand on the street corner with a cross like I do. It certainly doesn't mean you have to stand at the corner of walk and don't walk and, and preach and herald the gospel uh, in the open air. Uh, again, you should be engaged in evangelism. Uh, according to the personality God has given you and the context of life where he has placed you. But there is no doubt <laughs> in my mind that there are lost people around you. Whether you live in a town that has a population of 250 or 250,000 or several million, there are lost people around you. There are people who need to hear the gospel. Are you engaged in that ministry of reconciliation? Are you being used by the God of means as a means of proclaiming the gospel to those he has determined to save? If not, why not? And I'd love to talk to you more about that. If you have questions about that, um, uh, email me at streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com, streetfishingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, your first conversation, though, I think should be with your pastors. And I'm not him. <laughs> I have no spiritual authority in your life whatsoever. I'm a guy with a podcast. And so talk to your pastors, talk to your elders uh, about evangelism and what the Bible teaches about evangelism and how you should be engaged in evangelism. And let me know how that goes, too. All right, we are out of time. I hope that uh, this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast has been edifying to you, encouraging to you. And uh, and again, I'd love to hear from you. Street Fishing Podcast at gmail.com. Street Fishing Podcast at gmail.com. Again, the link to the video for the full 90-minute encounter out there at Augustana College will be in the description section uh, as along with... Uh, a short list of books that have been very influential in my life. So I hope that provides a good resource for you too. All right, until next time, dear friends, let's go fishing. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Street Fishing Podcast. The Street Fishing Podcast and Tony Miano's daily street evangelism efforts are ministries of Grace Fellowship Church in Davenport, Iowa. Grace Fellowship is a Reformed Baptist church that subscribes to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. Visit the church's website at gracefellowshipqc.com 
That's gracefellowshipqc.com. And for more information about Tony Miano's street evangelism ministry, including books, articles, videos, and audios, visit crossencountersmen.com. That's crossencountersmin.com. Until next time, and until the nets are full, let's go fishing.